All right. Do we want to say thanks again to Ned for taking last week for me? And I know a lot of you guys were blessed by his message. So thank you, Ned. Um, we're continuing on in a little series we started a while ago on anger and anxiety. And the whole topic of anxiety is, is really what got the series going for me personally, because uh, that's something I'm just realizing that God has wanted to grow me and work, uh, work on me with, however I would say that. Um, and I feel like even just through this process over the past month or two, I feel like God has grown me in this area. And let me just say this. I was reading this book and it's called The End of Anxiety, I think. And really it was talking not just about having an end, like a stopping point of anxiety, but what is the end purpose? Like what is the end or what is the purpose of anxiety? And I could say personally for me, just through the growth that I'm getting to experience and, and try and, and uh, try and walk out some of the things I'm learning, it's drawing me closer to God. And so I will say, if you deal with anxiety, instead of getting stressed out more about it or being fearful of it or being bummed out because you're a Christian and you shouldn't be worried, look at it as an opportunity to grow closer to God, as an opportunity to be sanctified, as an opportunity to uh, learn to experience Christ in new ways. So I would just encourage you, if anxiety is something that you struggle with or uh, maybe just on occasion, deal with look at those as opportunities to grow closer to jesus christ instead of something just to beat yourself up about uh hopefully through this you won't you won't get through this uh as we go through this series you won't just feel beat up but you'll feel encouraged and strengthened and given wisdom uh for how to move forward so what i want to kind of do is we're going to talk obviously about dealing with anxieties God's way. Today's going to be kind of basic, and then we'll take a few more weeks and kind of dive into some other aspects. Uh, but I want to start with is just kind of getting maybe our, our mind connected to the topic. And so which of these maybe caused you the most anxiety, or you could say which ones caused you the least anxiety? Your relationships, your finances, your health or the health of your family, your work, current events, your past, your future. Can you maybe go like, yeah, this one's probably the one that maybe you might be going like, which one doesn't? I don't know. Um, but maybe one of those stands out a little bit more is an area that you might struggle uh, in regards to being anxious. And then just another question. When are you most at peace? My first thought was when I'm sleeping. Uh, does anybody else think that? Am I just kind of the way? Okay, so besides sleeping, besides sleeping, maybe, maybe for you, it's like, oh, when I'm out, when I'm exercising. For you, maybe it's when I'm doing my hobby or if I can just get out and uh, get into to nature. Or for you, it might be like, uh, I'm least... I'm least worried when I'm at work because I'm just doing some stuff and preoccupied. I will, I have a guess that you're most at peace when you're preoccupied with something else other than your worry, right? You're enjoying, maybe you're most at peace when you're playing with your kid and, and you're just enjoying your little baby uh, or grown baby or whatever it is. And you're like, man, this is what brings me 
the most peace. You, that may be the thing that causes you anxiety too. I don't know. But uh, when your mind is off of the problems, right? Um, and then what robs you, most often robs you of peace. Kind of just it's another way of looking at it. Um, and you could say traffic, other people, uh, it could, huh? Worry. Being worried, fear. So, so what would it be, you know, like financial uh, hardships or, or those type of things? So just some things to kind of get you thinking a little bit, like, does this topic relate to us? I think it relates to all of us in one way, shape or form, uh, probably some of us more than others. But I think everybody probably deals with anxiety to one uh, degree or another. And so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what is anxiety? What does God offer us in place of anxiety? What does God instruct us to do in regards to anxiety? And why is Christ our only hope for peace? So we're going to go through those. It looks like a lot because it is a lot, but we're going to take a basic view uh, of it. And we're going to cover probably the passage that most people know the most when it comes to the topic of anxiety, the, the Bible passage in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. All men, sorry. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. There's a lot there. We're going to take kind of a basic overview of it. And hopefully by the time we get done, you'll go, oh, I get that passage. That makes a lot more sense to me. But let me pray one more time. Father, I do thank you that you even allow our struggles and the things that we, uh, we feel attacked by or drugged down by to be things that allow us to grow closer to you. Please use this series, use this message today to encourage and strengthen this group of saints, Father, that they would be built up. I do also pray if there's anybody here who has not put their faith and trust in your son, uh, not experiencing a relationship with you, that that would happen even this morning, that in, in their heart, in their mind, they would make a choice to choose Christ. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're going to go through this, but first I want to kind of start out with what is anxiety, uh, because it, it can get a little bit confusing. So we're going to take one of the words right out of our passage that uh, says, be anxious. The word anxious is in there for nothing. Merimineo, which is kind of the, it's the Greek for this word, and there's some variations of it. There's like a noun form, a verb form, but basically what it means is to be pulled in different directions, to be distracted troubled or to be pulled apart by your cares and kind of like as i said a few minutes earlier like when are you most at peace it's usually when you're not thinking about this and you're preoccupied but when you are you're kind of torn back and forth it's hard to live in the present moment what's going on and all the what ifs or what about or oh no and so it's like you're being pulled in these different directions by your cares and they may be some legitimate cares but the anxiety part is the state of being troubled by a distracting care. So just for this series, that's kind of our definition we're going to use. And if you can kind of just begin to let that percolate down and you go, am I, am I being distracted 
by a care? Am I being troubled by this? Is this distracting me from life? Then it's probably an anxiety issue from living the rest of my life. Does that make sense? That idea of anxiety. Now, I want to also kind of make clear what anxiety is not, because in scripture, we see a lot of different uh, examples of emotions that go on. We're told be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing. And then we have scriptures that tell us not to fear, don't, uh, don't be worried. And so the idea is we're not supposed to live that way. But there are some other emotions that kind of might feel similar. And there's a difference. I want us to understand there's a difference between anxiety and agony, between sadness and stress. And so many times in scriptures, you see uh, people walking with God, Christ himself grieving, saddened, crying over a city. And so we, I just want us to understand there is a difference just because you have an emotion that is negative uh, in the sense that it doesn't feel good of agony or uh, a sadness. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something sinful. So it's just some examples. David here in Psalm 55, he's talking about being betrayed by somebody close to him. And if you read through that, he, he is in agony. He is very saddened. But he decides at the very end, I think it's the last verse or the next to the last verse, he says, but I'm going to put my trust in God to take care of this situation. So there's a sadness there. And it's not necessarily a stress, but it's a sadness. Christ himself was saddened, was agonizing. This uh, Luke 22 is him in the garden. Remember, he sweat, tears of blood. It wasn't necessarily that he was worried in some sinful sense, but I kind of wrestle with that. So was he anxious? It says, be anxious for nothing. Was he anxious? The understanding I have of that passage is what he was doing was he was going, in fact, what we're going to learn about today, going to his father in prayer about something he knew he was going to have to endure. And he said, can I please get out of this? If there's any way, let me get out of this. But if not, I want to do your will. And so there was an agony there knowing what he was going to have to endure. And so you can kind of see where maybe there's a fine line there between dealing with an agony or a sadness or a grief versus just being stressed out and worried and not trusting God. Did Jesus Christ trust God? Did Jesus Christ ever sin? No, but he dealt with some very uh, difficult emotions. And so I want us to kind of be able to understand and maybe be able to uh, decipher those things in our own heart, in our own mind, in our own lives. Is this a sadness? Is this a grief? Or am I being fearful? Am I worrying? Um, God's word doesn't say don't be sad. It's saying don't live stressed out. Okay. There's a lot of sadness uh, in this world. And there are a lot of um, biblical examples of people being sad. We live in a troubled, messed up world. Things that uh, are very grievous. And it's not wrong to grieve those things. But we don't want to live in a state of depression. We don't want to live in a state of stress about those things. All right, so what does God offer in place of anxiety? Anybody have a guess? Peace. It's right here in our verse. Philippians 4, 6. So this is kind of one of the end parts of our, our passage. Um, 
So we'll kind of talk about the end first, and then we'll talk about how to get this peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what God offers his people is his peace, the peace of God. And let's just talk a little bit about this. What is this? The peace of God. It's a state of tranquility, wholeness, rest, contentment, having a tranquil soul. When you're stressed about how you're going to pay the bills this month or where if you're going to be able to find a place to live next month or uh, if your kid has such and such disease or if there's really not much tranquility in your soul at that point. And so the idea here is even with those things going on, we can experience tranquility in our soul, that we can experience a wholeness, a rest, and a contentment, even in the middle of those circumstances. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can give you that? It's a supernatural thing, isn't it? Because it's not something we can conjure up, and that's what we can see here. To what degree? Beyond understanding. The peace of God which goes beyond understanding. So this isn't something, it outranks our thinking, our mind, our intellect, and our thoughts. And usually when we're stressed out, how do we try and fix things? Most of us start trying to think a plan, making a plan, get to do this, if I could do that. Can I, if this happens, then I'll do that. If they say this, the boss says that, I'll do that. If I walk in the door and she says this, I'm gonna say that. If uh, this bill, if this guy doesn't end up paying me like I was planning on, I'm going to have to do this and then I'll do that and I'll do that. That's all our thoughts. That's not necessarily what brings us peace. Now, God did give us to mind and he's not saying totally check out and don't make a plan. But what he's saying is don't put your trust in your thoughts. And that's usually for me, I'll, I'll say that's usually where the stress starts happening is because I'm putting all my stock we're trying to find peace in coming up with a plan. We don't find peace in coming up with a perfect plan. It's the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, our planning, our ability to think through. And what will it do? Guards our hearts and minds. I love this picture, to guard, to protect by a military guard, to prevent a hostile invasion. Man, when you have fear, stress, worry, isn't that what feels like happens? It feels like there's an invader that somehow got into your heart or into your mind and is overtaking everything. Like if I could have just kept that invader out, I'm all stressed out. I'm all frustrated. How'd this get in here? How do I get this guy out of here? And it's just going and going and going and going. This is God's promise. This is God's word, you guys. Here's what he says. The peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, our, all our ability to outwit or outthink or outmaneuver the situation, it will guard, it will stand guard over our minds and over our hearts so that we don't have to live like that. That's a promise of God. It's not my promise. I couldn't promise that, but God does promise that. So that's what God does offer us, but he says this promise is conditional. There are some things you're going to need to do if you want to experience that peace. So I kind of, I tried to make this very simple uh, because I feel like I need it simple because in the middle of all the 
craziness of life and anxiety and stress and fear and situations and circumstances, it's hard for me to think complex. I like, give me a couple of things to hang on to. So basic is we need to ch choose a new perspective. That's kind of the, like, if you really want to water it down, you deal with anxiety, you're stressed out about something, you're fearful about something. I, I believe the, the heart of this passage is saying, choose a new perspective. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. And uh, Philippians is a book about joy. And what he's telling this guy, we're not exactly sure who it was, probably an elder in the church. There's these two women who are at each other bunch of conflict and he says i implore you work with these women help them to live in harmony and then he gives this situation i just want you to think about that have you ever tried to be a mediator between two people and imagine if i said hey so and so i want you there's these two people in the church that are just at each other the church is all disruptive will you come that would probably bring a little stress to you wouldn't it you'd be like yeah i don't know i don't, I don't want all that on me that's kind of the, the context here. So there's a lot of relational overtones in this, in this passage. But part of what he's saying is choose a new perspective. So imagine being that elder or that person or that leader, or if you got picked, that I'm going to choose a new perspective. And so here specifically, I'm going to call it, this is the perspective, worship instead of worry. I believe that's the antidote to dealing with stress, anxiety, fear, is to worship instead of worry so in essence what we're doing there is we're focusing on god instead of our problem does that make sense worship instead of worry now that sounds awful bibly and it is bibly because that's what we're studying is god's word but it's the promise that god gives us if you do these things the peace of god which surpasses all understandings will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Worship instead of worry. So we need to change our perspective and the, the perspective change is focusing on God instead of our problem. You remember back at the beginning when I said, when do you most at peace? Some of us are like, when I'm asleep, when I'm exercising, when I'm out in nature, when I'm doing this, when I'm doing that, why? Because you've had a total change of perspective right? When you're sleeping, your perspective is whatever you're dreaming about or not dreaming about or whatever it is. But more, more basic than that is when we get preoccupied with something and all of a sudden, well, we forgot we're supposed to be worrying about this. Oh my goodness. I knew I was feeling too good. Does anybody else ever feel like that? Like kind of like, oh, what a flake. Here I was just living carefree for a couple hours. I got to get back to worrying. That's not what God wants of his people. He wants us to worship instead of worry. <clears throat> so just some context here. Again, we're looking at the Philippians passage, but I've added in a few other verses here. So remember, when we're battling worry, we're battling a distracting care. Remember, that was our uh, kind of our definition is being troubled by a distracting care. Isaiah 26.3 says this, but you, God will keep him in perfect peace. Who will God keep in perfect peace? Those 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. I, I uh, heard this somewhere else and I like it. The, the idea of, of behind that verse is when you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. When you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. And usually when there's something stressful, when there's something uh, that, that would typically bring us fear, worry, uh, cause us anxiety, that's what our focus is on, is on that thing. And what needs to happen is our mind needs to change. Our perspective needs to change. We need to worship instead of worry. So when we begin to put our thoughts and focus on God, he changes our thoughts. Make sense? So step one, according to our passage here, and we'll, we'll make a little more sense of this, why, why this is our first one. Choose to be glad about the things of God. That's according to our passage. That's what we're supposed to do. Choose. So it's a choice. We can choose to worship. We can choose our perspective. We can choose what we're going to think about. God's given us the ability to choose our thoughts, hasn't he? And what he says is to choose to be glad about the things of God. Here's the verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He gives some instructions here. The idea of rejoice is be joyful. So he's given some instructions. Be joyful. Uh, be glad. Be of good cheer. That's a choice. And what it, it says, rejoice in the Lord. Then just say, be of good cheer. Try and make yourself happy. I used to actually hate the song. I remember someone because I was I've always been a little intense, and I even remember in college, someone would, uh, it was friends. They were kind of teasing me and stuff, but they're like, "Don't worry, be happy." don't worry be happy and i remember just getting so annoyed by it and i'm like you know in the song if you know the song it's like when you don't pay your rent on time and all this and i'm like what are you talking about like you're gonna live like some kind of idiot and not do the stuff you're supposed to do and then try not to be worried but the idea is not don't worry be joyful the idea is be joyful in the lord and like i said choose to be glad about the things of god so specifically i'm not saying don't worry be happy <laughs> no i'm saying be cheerful be glad about the things of god that's what i'm saying because that's what god's word says and so you think well, what does that that mean so a worried perspective has a lot of ifs right I just came up with a couple here, but you could have all your own. Uh, if I don't get such and such done, right? The dominoes are all going to fall. If such and such happens, then what if, if? A worshipful perspective is an in fact perspective or a sense perspective. So a worried perspective is what if, what if, what if? A worshipful perspective is in fact, sense. And so we can begin to go, all these people walking out, by the way, told me they're leaving early. So this not, see you, Dave. Hope it goes well. They're not mad at me. I think they might be mad at you guys, but they're not mad at me. Um, don't worry. A worshipful perspective. And so since God is, and you begin to go, okay, I'm so worried about mm, what's going on in the world today, our government my finances, 
my spouse, my kids' health, whatever it is, you, we're, we're going to get to dealing with the specifics of that. But one of the first things we are to do is be glad about the things of God. So you back up and you begin to go, you know what? God is all-knowing. God has written a script already. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-loving. So you're being glad about the things of God, things that are sure, steady, that you can put your feet on about God. Since God has is another thing you could say. Since God has promised me peace, since God has forgiven my sins, since God has made me new, since God has said he won't leave me or forsake me, since God has, and you begin to shift, and now your perspective is on God instead of your problem. Since God will, we know that Christ is going to come back and reign and straighten everything out and take care of every injustice. God's going to take care of all these things that have been done wrong against me and that are being done wrong in the world. And you could begin to see where the fear, the anxiety, the worry begin to melt away. So choose to be glad about the things of God. The next one in our passage talks about humble ourselves. This is a tough one. And let me just say this, we want the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? We actually have to do this, these things. You can't just go like, oh, I just want that peace. He gives us instructions to get that peace. So one would be glad about the things of God, worship instead of worry. Next is we have to humble ourselves. I'm going to move kind of quickly through this. Uh, all this we'll be talking a little bit more about on Wednesday. Uh, but in the passage, he says, not only rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice or be glad about the things of God. But he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This is going to take a little bit of explaining. But the one thing we need to do is humble ourselves in our situation. It means gentle means to be mild, kind, moderate patient, reasonable, forbearing. And this passage, which is earlier in the same book, here's what Paul says. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery to be equal with God. In other words, what he said is Jesus Christ is God, but he's not clinging to that godness and saying, I'm God and everybody's going to treat me like God while he was on earth, did he? He didn't do that while he was on earth. He had every right to, but he did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the idea here, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men is follow Christ's footsteps and be humble. And let's just think about how, like, I'm having a hard time connecting the dots. Like, okay, God, I, I know your word's true, but what does that really mean for anxiety? Think about just the idea if we begin to kind of get rid of what my rights are 
and the way people should treat me and the way things should happen for me, all of a sudden, it begins to chip away at the anxiety, right? If we begin to go, everybody should like me. Everybody needs to respect me. Everybody should be treating me nice, at least all the people in my home. And we humble ourselves. All of a sudden, it takes away that stress of what's so-and-so going to think? How is so-and-so going to react? And so there's a very practical uh practical aspect to this instruction is because what it does is it begins to get rid of some of our perceived rights and a lot of the things that we believe are our rights are the things that stress us out i have the right to have everybody on the freeway move when i need to get to work no you don't have that right humble yourself let your gentleness be known to all men the freeway doesn't need to move according to my speed and my plans. Hmm. Can you begin to see where all of a sudden there can be peace? World events don't need to unfold according to my political viewpoints. But they really should because, but really to begin to go, I need to let my gentleness, my humility, my kindness be known. And it takes away a little bit of the edge of feeling stressed out. This is, uh, I'm not going to go in much into this, but this passage I feel like is very applicable. Come to me, this is Christ speaking. Come to me, all you who are labor, I'm sorry, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the idea of yoke, it's not an egg yoke. The idea of, of a yoke is the idea of, you might have seen them. It'd be like two pieces of wood carved out with holes in them and they would bolt or tie those together and they would put it over like an older ox and a younger ox. And so as they, they did their work, the older ox would be doing what it was supposed to do. It knew to do because it had been trained and the younger ox, ox was yoked to it. So it would be learning because it's having to step in step with the older one and do what it was. So what he says is, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The whole idea is be connected up with Christ, have his attitude, walk the way he walked, letting go of his rights. And here's what some of the, he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Again, it's our idea of being gentle. And here's the, here's the promise of that. If you come to him, you link yourself up to his ways of humility, you walk in his ways of humility, here's the promise. You will find rest for your souls soul rest isn't that what we want rest in our souls not just some body rest we all enjoy that but watching hours of tv doesn't guarantee that you're going to have any kind of soul rest but doing this will give you soul rest my yoke is easy my burden is light all right step three ask instead of being anxious so what are what are our other ones be glad about the things of god humble ourselves or let go of our rights, ask instead of being anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Boy, that sounds, that sounds impossible. These are big words. He has a nothing and an everything in here. Those are words we hate when we're arguing with the spouse or those like big superlatives. You never, ever, you always. Well, here he gives these kind of all-encompassing words. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The essence of this chunk of scripture right here is be talking to God. He says, gives a few little details about it, but that's the heart of what he's saying. He's saying, don't be anxious, ask. A few thoughts from the verses, pray about every detail, but in everything, I know so often I'll kind of throw a blanket thing out. I'm so worried about blah. Man, will you please help this to work out? But I would encourage you when you're praying about it, pray through every single part of it. I'm so afraid that this, if this doesn't happen, then that's going to happen. I'm afraid that if uh, so-and-so doesn't get this done, then it's going to cause a problem here. It's, I feel like my reputation's on the line, or I feel like uh, it'll be too much for me to bear if my daughter, if, my daughter ends up getting sick and dying or and pray about every detail of it really pray ask god to meet your needs and desires he says by prayer and supplication the idea there prayer is kind of the formal word for prayer and supplication is making your needs and desires known prayer and supplication going to god with your needs and your desires he says it at the end of the verse here doesn't he let your requests be made known to god god wants to hear what you want it's nothing wrong with that. It's biblical. God, I pray that you would help me get this job. I pray that you, you're going to an interview or whatever it is. Let your requests be made known to God. Give thanks. Now, if we're praying about a financial issue, for example, imagine. So make all the requests that you want to make. Tell God how you're feeling about it. Pour your heart out to him like they do in the Psalms over and over and over. Pour their heart out. But the end is they always put their perspective back on God, which is our whole point here. Worship instead of worry. Give thanks. Father, I don't know. I lost my job. We've got this bill. I don't know what's going to happen with the house thing. I don't know what this we're going to do with that. I'm afraid about this. Uh, but I want to say thank you. Thank you that you're going to be with me no matter what. I want to say thank you for all the ways you've provided for me in the past when I didn't know how things were going to go. And I don't know how this is going to go. But I thank you that you've provided here, that you've provided there. Please help me get this job so that I can get some bills paid. Does that make sense? That's, in, that's instructions from God's word. So if we go through our points here, choose to be glad about the things of God, humble ourselves, let go of our perceived rights, ask instead of be anxious. That's kind of the passage uh, in a nutshell. And then I just want to kind of end on this note. So why is Christ our only hope for peace? Now, this is kind of like a little churchy cliche saying, no Christ, no peace, no Christ, no peace. But that phrase kept coming to my mind, as cliche as it is, because there's so much truth in this. And the reality of it is, is that the only way for me to really have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. And once I have peace with God, then I can experience the peace of God. And so if you're going through life and you don't have a good relationship with God, or you're still separated from God because you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you feel like God's on this side and you're on this side, instead of realizing that he's brought you together and now there's no wall between, there's no chasm between, you've been made at peace and brought into a good relationship, 
it's going to be darn near impossible for you to experience any kind of peace in life circumstances. But once you know that you have oneness with God, you have access to him in prayer, you have forgiveness of your sins, you have a home in eternity, all of a sudden, whole new possibilities open up as far as being able to experience the peace of God. So it starts with having a relationship. And then once we have the peace with God, it makes us, it makes it possible to enjoy the peace of God. So first of all, Christ provides us with peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified, big fancy Bible word for being made right with God justified just as if i'd never sinned is how god sees you when you're justified you're made new you're made righteous you're given a position of righteousness and oneness with god peace with god he's no longer separated it's no longer you sinner over there it's my son my daughter right here so only through christ that we can have peace with god and then when we have peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. Now here's our verse. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a beautiful passage, isn't it? And what a beautiful promise. And he gives us some very clear steps and practical, easy steps we can take. I just wanna encourage you to take those steps as you begin to feel whether it's a little baby anxiety come on or the big monster anxiety that hits you, uh, it drags on all week, to just to begin practicing this, practicing this, worship instead of worry, change your perspective, be glad about the things of God, humble yourself, let go of your personal rights, that you would begin to ask instead of be anxious. And I believe God's promise here. He's God. He's the one who designed how everything works. So we should listen to him when it comes to anxiety. More than even Google. <laughs> what to do when you're worried. Just go to, to this passage. And then we're going to talk about a few other passages through the week. Let me pray once more and we'll, we'll sing together. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you offer us peace through your son peace that we can have a relationship with you, peace that we can enjoy walking with you, and we don't have to be torn apart by our distracting cares, but that we could enjoy you. There are so many things going on in our lives and our worlds, Father, that would want to draw us towards anxiety. Please help us to trust you to live hopeful, full, encouraged, rejoicing, so that we could be lights for you and lights for your son. We pray these things in his name. Amen.